Today, Mark will be sharing from Luke 2, 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in this city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. It's kind of that post-Christmas malaise that we have, right? Kind of what day is it? What's next? What are we doing? When do the kids go back to school? Kind of all of these things, kind of wondering uh, what we're supposed to, am I supposed to be working? Should I be accomplishing something as we sit around and watch uh, bowl games or play with our our Christmas toys, uh, it's kind of like a, a meme I saw this week that said, kind of narration, uh, sometime during the December 26th to January 2nd haze, me, I think I'll read a book this beautiful Sunday morning, and the narrator breaks in. It was actually 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, and he didn't read a book. He ate shredded cheese instead. Um, it's kind of, that. that's the feeling I feel like that we're going through. What day is it? What, I had to remind the kids last night, tomorrow is Sunday, we have church, this is what we're doing. It is a Saturday night, I know it's been a Saturday for the last week, but that's what, that's actually Saturday. I hope you uh, got some good presents uh, for Christmas. Um, I got several new vinyls, which always uh, makes me excited. I got some cash, which is always a good gift if you're looking for something to get me. It's kind of like a, uh, you got a toy transformer? That's awesome. Someone, he's actually listening. That's great. So I got a hat. I got a Lego set. I have not outgrown Legos, so neither has David Beckham, so I'm fine with that. Uh, obviously, we're the same category of people. Uh, you know, sometimes you get a, a, a gift or two that you don't really know how to respond to. That didn't happen to me much this year, thankfully, uh, and that I know at all, actually. So, uh, But, you know, your voice goes up real high. You're like, oh, thank you. I love, like, lots of voice modulation. It kind of gives it away that you don't really know what you're supposed to do with this thing. A few, several years ago, I got a spy, a hat with a secret camera in it, like a spy camera, from my grandparents, and I, I don't know where it is now. It's, uh, it's kind of, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. This is not really um, okay. Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. Um, survey. So, survey, yeah, I know. Like uh, live stream preaching, it's not as exciting as like the extreme sports that are out there. I think this can be so true uh, for us and how we respond to the birth of Christ as well. 
We've heard the story so often. It's super familiar to us, no matter how churched we are. But we don't know always how to respond. Christmas kind of takes over a life of its own, and we're left wondering, what day is it? What time is it? What am I supposed to be doing now? But I think our passage begins to answer this very simple question. How should we respond to the birth of Jesus? Luke, I think, gives us three ways to be able to respond to his birth. He says to listen well, to make peace, and to fear not. Listen well, make peace, and fear not. We're actually going to start at the end of the passage and work our way to back to the beginning. So let's look at verses 17 through 20 again. And when they saw it, the shepherds, they made it known, the saying, that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds were ordinary people. The shepherds were no one particularly special, no one that anyone would have thought would have borne the good news of the Christ child being uh, born to the people of Israel. And yet the shepherds are those who are spreading the good news. They are telling the people in the city. They are the ones that are telling Joseph and Mary the things that uh, happened to them, that the angels uh, appeared to them. Their testimony wouldn't have uh, stood up in the court of law back in the day, and yet the shepherds are entrusted with this angelic message. We so often pay attention when angels show up, but not always so much when shepherds tell us. You see the two reactions here between the crowd and Mary. The crowds wondered at what had happened, and Mary pondered and treasured it. The crowds wondered. It's kind of like that saying, that's interesting. I think that's one of the most bland statements, uh, middle-of-the-road sayings that anyone can say. You tell someone something that has happened in your life, and they say, oh, that's interesting. Is that positive? Is that negative? I don't know. It kind of sits somewhere in the middle. Mary, however, pondered. This word means to think it over, to dwell on it, and she treasured what they said. This is preserving what they had said, their testimony, to keep it alive in her heart, to fan its flame and keep the fire ablaze. Mary had been visited by the angels uh, already, and yet hearing someone else say what the shepherds, what the shepherds said, what the, the angels had said to her, the glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. She treasured these things. She listened well. How do we listen well in response to the Christmas story? Well, it's actually listening to the shepherds around us as well. We don't get angels speaking to us most of the time. We love to call other people angels when they speak a good word to us, but they're really shepherds. We are ordinary people, but God gives us ordinary folks words of grace and mercy to be able to speak to one another. We have very ordinary means. We get a, we get a book. We get a Bible. We get other books um, throughout uh, 
uh, Christmas season to be able to open, to be able to read. We get one another to be able to treasure, to be able to ponder, to be able to keep it alive in our hearts, to mull it over, to savor the word of God. A lot of this is asking questions and seeking out the answers for it. I think a lot of times we begin to think that God, that that the church quite often says that you need to have a firm faith that has no doubt in it, that has no questions to it, and so keep them to yourself, keep them quiet. But we believe in a God who's big enough to be able to handle our questions. If he is able to take on flesh and to come and enter into our story, then he is big enough to be able to answer our deepest questions, our deepest longings, to get down to the deep roots in our heart. And that's what he wants to do with his word to be able to spend time deep in the soil of our lives, to be able to grow fruit, to be able to have us listen well. This happens through personal prayer time. This happens through Christian community. It happens through reading our Bibles. These are our shepherds. A lot of times we want to say, I think it's very um, in vogue to say, you know, we don't need to be in a Bible study. We don't need to be in Christian community. I can be a Christian without the church. These are mundane, ordinary things. But actually, you can't. You can't be a Christian out on your own. That's not how it works. That's not how God created us. He created us to be a community. First off, we will have no one to listen to. But secondly, it's easy to ignore Scripture, God's story, when we're alone, when we're not in community, when we're not within the church family, when we're not connected to the body. Or maybe we only want to hear from angels and not shepherds. But God using shepherds in our lives reminds us that He can and will use us as well to speak truth, to speak grace, to speak mercy into the lives of those around us. Remember, life is not just about speaking our truth. It's about listening to the truth. Listening for God's voice is not always an easy task. There's a lot of words in the world. There's a lot of noise that surrounds us. His kind of falls into one of many. We don't always need to add to all these words. Sometimes it takes being quiet and listening well. Responding to the Christmas story begins with listening well. Second, it's making peace. Look at verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Most of us know this passage. I read read it for us last week um, as we looked at how uh, Jesus fulfilled Isaiah uh, 9, right? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men from the King James. The ESV says on peace earth, uh, excuse me, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a very drastic, exclusionary uh, language here, and it's about as exclusionary as it sounds. 
Paul reminds us, though, in Romans 5.8, that we are all enemies of God. Yet while we were enemies, Christ died for us. There's no real middle ground in our lives. We're either overt or covert enemies of God. An overt enemy is one who ignores God, who lives in outright rebellion to God's design for our lives. God can't tell us what to do. We are our own bosses. We determine our own destiny. Only God can judge us. There's an irony in what they say, right? Like we will live in rebellion and only God can judge us for that. Most of us, though, are probably covert enemies of God. We earn God's favor through religious Good works were performance-based, probably what most of us are struggling with. We want God to bless us, to keep us safe because of the good deeds we do, because we go to church, because we give of our tithes and offerings, because we love our neighbors, because we are in relationship with God. We should not have to suffer. We should not have to face miscarriages. We should not have to face divorce. We should not have to deal with cancer or singleness or work issues, whatever it may be. We believe that we can tell God what we deserve in life because of our relationship with him. Flannery O'Connor writes um, in, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the book. She writes, there was a deep black wordless conviction in him that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. If we don't sin, we don't need Jesus in our lives. Both of these ways of living are telling, are us telling God that we know better and we turn our life into an us versus God contest. But there's actually a third way. That's entrusting in the peace that Jesus brings. Jesus came to bring peace between us and God. The Hebrew word that we've explored a lot lately, shalom, is putting back together. It describes a wall that is firmly built, that nothing is missing in us. When we ask one another how you are doing, when the Israelites asked one another how they were doing, they said, how is your shalom? The Greek word in this passage carries the same sense. In the cross of Christ, we see that Jesus takes our place to bring us peace. He becomes an enemy so that, as Paul writes at the beginning of Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are those who make peace with God and make peace with others. How do we do that? With God, we admit that we're sinners, that we are trying to earn our relationship with him, whether we're in rebellion or whether we are trying to do all the right things. What God has done through Jesus Christ is give us his grace. It's admitting that we don't know best for our lives and that maybe, just maybe he does. We trust in his grace that he pours out in Jesus Christ. And we learn to live our life with God, not against God, either covertly or overtly. We do that with others by swallowing our pride. We let go of our dignity. We admit that we're wrong. We apologize. 
We lay down our expectations. We don't have to be right all the time. But I might be taken advantage of. I might lose the argument. You probably will. That's what part of making peace entails. It's giving up your rights for one another. That's exactly what Jesus did when he went to the cross on our behalf. He forgave us. He reconciled with us so that when we repent and we believe, we know that we can have peace with God and that we can have peace with one another. But we also need to make peace with ourselves. We are disintegrated people. We do not have shalom. We are broken in our lives. We don't like that language. What do I mean by that? I mean that we're hurting, that we've been hurt, that we have hurt others. And what God wants to do in our lives through the person of Jesus Christ is make us whole again by giving us his peace. Last week I said Christmas declares that peace is a person. The Prince of Peace himself, Jesus Christ, is available to us so that we can have peace with God, we can have peace with others, and we can have peace with ourselves. So to honor Christmas, to really celebrate it well, we listen well. We make peace. And finally, we fear not. Verses 10 through 11. The angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds were terrified. Most people are terrified when angels appear from the very beginning of Scripture uh, through to the very end, especially in Revelation. They were megaphobic is the word that's used here. When it says they were greatly afraid, they were mega fearful. The angel is saying, look, I know you're afraid, but look, open your eyes to what God is doing here. Why are people afraid whenever God shows up? They were afraid in the Garden of Eden. They were afraid because they were distracted. Adam and Eve were afraid because they didn't trust God. They believed the serpent's lie, which was doubting the goodness of who God is. He's not trustworthy. You have to be your own God. You have to be your own determiner in your life. And when God himself showed up, Adam and Eve were afraid. They covered themselves up and hoped that he didn't see them. The angels are calling the shepherds here to be able to see what God is doing. We fear too. We fear because our relationship with God is broken. It's not perfect. We don't see him perfectly, and we still believe the serpent's lie. We fear losing our reputation. We fear rejection. We feel fear failure or perceived loss of freedoms in our lives. We fear other people's um, perceptions of us when they ask if we're Christians, if we celebrate Christmas. We fear our future. We fear what's next in life. We fear death. We fear these things because our relationship with God is not at peace. and We don't trust him. We don't trust him because we haven't seen him. That's exactly what the angels are telling the shepherds. 
and us to do. Look, look at what I am doing. What do we see when we open our eyes to God? We see great joy. As the shepherds were greatly afraid, they are given great joy, mega joy, the same structure in the Greek. Joy caused by the very presence of God himself. Verse 11 says, Behold, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Not just a messenger of God, not just an angel, but one who is God himself. Who is this Christ child? Who is Jesus? He's the Messiah. He's Christ. It's the same word both in Hebrew or in Greek. It means anointed one, the promised one, the one that they have been waiting for. As we read last week, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 reminds us that the people of Israel have been waiting for um, for the very God himself to come and dwell with him, one who would make the world right again. He's called a savior. This is a political statement. This is a direct confrontation to the cult of Caesar that reigned in that day. In 9 BC, an inscription declared Caesar's Augustus's birthday to be good news, the same thing that the angels tell the shepherds, and identified Caesar as God, the Son of God, the Savior. And they associate him with peace, hope, and good news. But the angels go one step further. They call this child Lord. The word here in Greek is kurios. When the translators were uh, translating the Hebrew Bible into what we call the Septuagint or the Greek Bible, they were looking for a word to be able to use in the place of the holy name, Yahweh, which was a name that they would not say or would not even write out. Sometimes they just said the name. And the word they came up for was the word that we see all over throughout the Bible and throughout the Old Testament that's in like lower capitalized letters, Lord, L-O-R-D. This word was translated kurios, the very word that the angel uses for Christ himself. He's not just a savior. He's not just the anointed one. He is the one who has come to restore the Davidic throne and Israel's kingdom, the very God himself. The baby born in the manger, Jesus, God himself, has come near and written himself into our story so that we may know him without fear and that we may trust him. This has personal and public ramifications. In verse 10, we say we see that the angels are talking to you, the shepherds, and that it will be for all peoples. This is intimate. This is a God who can draw near to us, who knows our own problems, who knows the very depths of our hearts, the hopes, the longings that we have, the hurts and the pains that we carry around. This is the incarnation, and it's unlimited as well. This extends to all people at all times in every place no matter where they are in their lives. The incarnation means that, both, that God is both intimately involved in the great fears and the great joys in our lives, but is also the Lord and God over creation, the one who can do something about it. Dorothy Sayers said, For whatever reason, God chose to make man as he is, limited, 
and suffering and subject to sorrows and death. He, God, had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he is playing with his creation, he has kept his own rules and played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not already exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it well worth while. Yuri Gagarin was a Russian cosmonaut, the first one who went up in space. And he was an atheist, as all Russians were at that time. And when he got up, he looked around And he didn't see God up there. He came back and he told everyone that. Well, obviously God doesn't exist. I went into space. I looked around. I've been there. God isn't there. C.S. Lewis was still alive at this time and said, We don't relate to God as as someone who lives on the first floor would relate to someone who lives on the second. We can't just go up there and verify that he is there. He says it's more like Hamlet's relationship with Shakespeare. The only way for Hamlet to know Shakespeare would be if Shakespeare himself wrote himself into the play. Again, Dorothy Sayers wrote novels about a detective, Lord Peter Whimsey. And about halfway through her novels and stories, a love interest shows up, Harriet Vane, and they fall in love and they get married. Experts on Sayers' works believe that she wrote herself into the story. That as she looked into this world she had created and saw her beloved detective was lonely, she wrote herself in to save him. This is almost exactly what God has done for us. He created us. He looks down at us flailing around, lacking shalom, lacking peace in our lives, and he loves us enough to write himself in. That is what the incarnation is about. Jesus Christ, the creator God, becoming a human being, entering into his creation, entering into our lives, entering into our stories intimately, but all powerfully as well. It's not always easy to listen well. It's not always easy to make peace. It's very easy to fear and to find our just supreme lack of joy in our lives. My prayer for us this Christmas season is to look to Jesus, the one who listened to us, heard our cries, and came as a crying baby in the manger himself to bring us peace, to remove our fears, and to find joy even as he faced the cross. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for um, hearing us. We thank you that we know that we are not alone because of Jesus Christ and that you're not a God who just set up this world and let it run in its wily ways, but that you entered in 
in the person of Jesus Christ. You have faced life as we face it. And so we know that we don't have to earn our place with you, but that you have given it to us. Not a gift that we say, oh, thanks so much, but a gift that changes our lives, that gives us joy no matter what we face, that helps us to see that you are still at work in this world. Help us to have open eyes and open ears to see and hear you. Give us joy no matter what we are facing. Help us to share that joy and that peace that you have given to us. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.